Welcome to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship for all who would stand for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. Hello and welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. My name is Justin Shell and I'm your host. Today we're going to be talking with Daniel Hames, lecturer in systematic and historical theology at Union School of Theology. Today we're going to be talking with Dan about his new book, co-authored with Dr. Michael Reeves, called God Shines Forth, How the Nature of God Shapes and Drives the Mission of the Church. Dan, thank you again for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Thank you, Justin. Good to be with you again. I think it was season one, maybe. So we've uh, we've not had you had you back in near enough time. So this is long overdue. Glad you're here. It's great to be back. Yeah. Well, today we are talking about a book that you co-authored with Mike Reeves called "God Shines Forth." And um, real quickly, before we jump into that, tell for those of our listeners who may not know you, tell us a little bit where you're at, what you're up to, um, what we should know about Dan Hames. Okay, well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, with, with Mike Reeves and others, um, work at Union as Associate Director, uh, which means I have the, the privilege of seeing into all kinds of aspects of of unions ministry um, around the world and in the different areas we work in, but also specifically within the school. Um, I, I have the pleasure of teaching theology as well. So systematic and historical theology. Um, so bits of church history and Christian doctrine, um, which is just, just great. What a, a privilege to yeah. talk about awesome. theology with people, but then now to, to write on it as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the book is, um, as I mentioned before, called God Shines Forth, and it's the fourth in a series that Union has has uh, co-published with uh, with Crossway. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe the series, but how this book fits into that that group of four books? Mm. The, um, the the four books in in the series. And maybe listeners will know some of them. Uh, Rejoice and tremble deeper, the loveliest place, and now God shines forth. They um they're really built around the four values of union as a ministry. Our, our values are delighting in God, growing in Christ, serving the church, and blessing the world. And uh, we see those four as not just four um, nice things to say, but um, a, a logical flow that if we if we see and know and love the Lord as he truly is, um, we will love Jesus more, go deeper into knowing him. And we'll come to share his heart for his people, his church, and we'll want to serve and bless the church. But then because of that, we'll also want to reach out with the, the beauty and goodness of Christ into the world. And so there's a kind of logical flow right from knowing God for ourselves, right through to wanting to share his blessing with the world. And so the four books in the series pick up slightly, slightly um, specific and different themes of those four values each, but they kind of come together in that in that flow. Yeah. 
So this book is the fourth. Yeah. So this book is uh, a an aspect, a view towards um, that fourth value of blessing the world. That's it, yeah. yeah. Well, the book starts off uh, uncomfortably, Dan. I gotta say because I I I felt like I saw myself in it. Um, we won't go through every chapter and every page and, and all the details, but I do think that's a good place for us to, to look first. It starts with an admission. Um, what, what's the admission and why, why start there? Yeah, the, the admission, uh, I called it the great admission, um, is that we as Christians very often find the subject of mission and evangelism sort of uncomfortable, challenging, difficult. Um, when it's mentioned, perhaps in the pulpit in our church, we feel a bit guilty. And, you know, even think, oh, here comes the evangelism sermon. And we, we, we maybe confess to ourselves quietly inside um, that we find this an aspect of the Christian life that we, um, we struggle with. Mm. And uh, we, we decided when writing the book, that's where we want to start to recognize that. Mm. Um, to say that, first of all, this isn't going to be a book that um, is a guilt trip to say, come on, do more evangelism, be more missionally minded. Um, but we wanted to say, we acknowledge for many of us, and I certainly speak for myself when I say, and me, um, for many of us, this is sometimes quite a challenge and ask the question, well, why? What, what, really, what really is going on? Mm -hmm. And I think people have suggested all kinds of reasons why that might be. There might be some cultural reasons, personal reasons why we find evangelism challenging. But we are pretty convinced what it comes down to for many of us is actually um, our view of God is a bit off. Mm. Uh, and I think maybe that's revealed when, our, our, when we examine our, our true feelings when evangelism is mentioned, um, that it is to do with sometimes guilt, sense of duty, almost as if there is something that God has asked us to do that we wish he hadn't. Mm -hmm. um, so we, if I could put it this way, we almost think being invited to be a Christian sounded brilliant. I'm invited to know God for the rest of my life and on into eternity. And he's promised me salvation and his love and kindness and all of that, which is great. But as soon as I was in, I spotted some small print on the end of the deal, which said, by the way, you've got mm -hmm. to also do something for me, which is going to be telling people all about me, um, making sure people, you know, you know, in your workplace, in your office, in your school or college or whatever, they're your responsibility now over to you. Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, the idea of knowing God sounded great, but now we've got this second extra step that I've kind of been lumbered with, something I've now got to add on to being a Christian and almost feel a bit trapped, like this is a contractual obligation I hadn't spotted. God's kind of put that on, on the end of the contract and I, I, have, I just have to do it. I have to honour what I've signed up to. Yeah. And it reveals that we kind of think yeah. God has invited us to know him and then there's this other thing called mission he's put upon us so we, yeah. we almost have a view that god has um has tricked us hmm. 
And so there's something there in our idea of who God is that is quite negative. Yeah. Yeah, even if we wouldn't say, well, I think God's tricked me, or um, this evangelism is the great gotcha of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. I, I've roped you in, and now you're, you're my um, multi-level marketing downlines uh, right, for God. Um, we, when we turn our attention to the idea of evangelism or mission, um, there's a pause, there's a reticence, and, and therefore, where did that come from? So it seems like for, for God shines forth, the answer to that, that struggle, the, the help that is, is needed, um, is, in, in one word, is God, yeah. um, which may baffle some people who, who are excited about mission or evangelism, who maybe they've read all of the, here's how you share your faith, here's the apologetical arguments, here's the needs of the world, the, the, the um, number of unreached people groups on planet Earth, and then they come to a book that is um, about mission, and they find uh, the doctrine of God everywhere. So help, help, us, help us understand the connection there. Yeah, good question. Um, it is true. Um, Mike Reeves obviously is known as a, a theologian, um, and I mean that in the kind of technical sense. He's interested in the doctrine of God, especially, and the person of Christ. That's the stuff particularly that Mike has written about. And I would sort of see myself in a, a similar kind of area. I, I'm interested in, we've spoken before on this podcast about Christology, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So neither of us are what you'd call sort of specialist missiologists. Um, I, I certainly couldn't claim to be a great evangelist at all. Um, but um, what we think is important for every Christian, um, whether you consider yourself a specialist or not, whether you consider yourself a highly motivated evangelist or not, what we believe is that we need to see God rightly and understand uh, properly what, what it is he's called us to. And so we want to, in a way, to get our picture of God right. And we believe that's actually right at the heart of everything practical in the Christian life. Um, there should never be a time as Christians that we say, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I think I know what God's like. Now I'm going to sort of put that one down and go and think about what I need to do practically. Uh, mm-hmm. We always want to have those things connected, our, our doctrine of God and our ethics or our doctrine of God and our mission or whatever. And so uh, for us, we felt it was important that we draw a, a really clear line between who God is and what mission is like, and that we make sure mm-hmm. that that line is um, going the right way. Mm-hmm. So in the uh, the example of just, spoken about the idea that we maybe feel quite put upon by god in mission what we're kind of imagining there is a god who's out to um, impose himself on the world he almost wants something from the world you know go and get for me worshipers and praise and adoration that i haven't yet got Mm. and it's your job to go and kind of persuade people to surrender all of that to me and uh like you say that makes us feel like a a pretty embarrassed PR agency. You know, we have a difficult job on our hands. Um, that God is essentially demanding. Um, if I can coin a word, he's takey. <laughs> you know, he's interested in taking from the world and he's going to take from us to be mm-hmm. the ones who get it. Um, 
and what we want to say even from the title of the book is that god is the opposite to that mm. god shines god radiates god mm. gives and the the point of mission is not that he sends us out into the world to take from it but he sends us out into the world to give um, mm. to pour out from his happy fullness Mm -hmm. uh, we could talk about what i mean by that a bit more maybe we'll dig in but the, the point of the book really is to reverse mm -hmm. um, maybe that assumption that we have that god's out to take from the world and he's going to use us to take it yeah yeah you mentioned that idea of it seem seeming like god is 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 takey is um i think of the c.s lewis idea from screw tape letters that um where the their god the satan uh, according to uh uncle uncle screw tape is um we want to suck in right we want to consume but he wants to uh pour out he overflows he gives life he's um and i think in when i what i've read of mission in particular and that idea of god as a as sucking in usually comes when people talk about God's glory in mission. And I think it's often shared as, um, well, God deserves praise of all peoples, every human on the planet. He deserves their worship, but that worship is being given to idols. Therefore, go out for the glory of God. And the way it's stated, go out so that you can gather all this glory and put it into God's glory bank. He's, he's waiting to get all of that for himself. And it's never, it's never stated this way, but it, it and I've, I've talked to and discipled and mentored people who are, who feel like, well, that makes God sound like he's just worried about his glory account being full. And, and they're wondering how that works, but you're saying that's not what God's glory is actually about is that right yes i think that's that's an important point and it that really is something we we touch on at the start of the book and we sort of don't stop coming back to this uh, this idea of god's glory and there is a sense that god's glory is the kind of conclusion of mission um the you know often the great crescendos of scripture end there you know with god mm -hmm. being seen in his glory being praised worship for who he is and there's yeah. no sense in which we want to uh, to deny or undermine that but right. what we do want to say is um god's glory begins with god it's something god has and is in himself from the start it's not something that we are having to gather for him that he needs and sort of presently lacks or is without so we we look at really through through scripture the way that glory um the word for glory um uh, particularly the, the hebrew word for glory carries in it um the sense of um the weight or the the substance of something um uh, the sun has glory and its glory is so substantial if you like so weighty it almost it presses itself onto us as the sun shines on us its light comes to us over you know, I don't know the distance, <laughs> light years and light years away. The sun is so, so weighty, substantial in itself that it 
it sort of impresses itself on us as it shines its light. And that's the kind of picture that scripture often does use about the glory of God. It's something that shines out of him. It, it's, it sources in him. And we benefit from the rays, the sunshine, if you mm-hmm. like. Um, and so God's glory, and think of uh, the the shepherds around Bethlehem at the nativity, the glory of the Lord shines around them. Mm-hmm. Think of uh, the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21. It doesn't need the light of the sun or moon because the Lord himself gives it light. Those are mm-hmm. the kinds of pictures that uh, the that the Bible uses to speak about the glory of God. Um, and so while God's glory is something kind of at the, the conclusion of mission, it's kind of an aim for mission. We want to say the glory of God, that is the weight and the substance of who God is shining out. That's actually the, the, the rationale, the motor for mission. It's the reason we go because God himself, uh, a bit like the sun shines out. He gives of himself. He communicates himself. And so before you and I are ever sent into the world to talk about God, to try and explain to people who he is and show him, show them what he's done. He himself is already in that outwardly propulsive motion, if you like, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, more than anything else, God has stepped into the world. Jesus Christ, the son of God has come into the world. He is the one who is the glory of God. Hebrews 1, 3, the radiance of God's glory. He's mm. the beams of the sun stepping mm. into the world to reveal his father's heart, to show us his love and his compassion, even to sinners. Mm. And that's that's the real drive of mission. And if 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 that's something you or I are going to do to be missionaries, we are we are we're only ever going to be caught up in the outward, propulsive, loving, shining of God. Like we we don't have to source our mission from somewhere else, mm. but his glory drives us. So yet glory is the end of the story, but it also is in a sense the beginning because mm. mission, if we can put it this way, begins in God. He has He has mission before we do. Friends, we want to take just a moment out of our conversation to tell you about the upcoming Reformation Fellowship Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, November 11th through 12th. Our theme, the theme that we will gather around is the gospel, our hope, our banner. We want to come together, celebrate the gospel, unite around the gospel and be encouraged in the gospel. You will hear plenary addresses from Michael Reeves, Dane Ortland, Phil Riken, Jeff Norris. You will also select a track to participate in at the conference. There's a track for any Christian who just wants to go deeper in their faith. There's a track for pastors, a track for women, and a track for theologians and scholars. And the hope for these tracks is to grow you, to develop you wherever you're at and whatever way you're serving the church, but also to encourage you by connecting you with others in a similar place. Those tracks are each led by wonderful theologian leaders, and we just know that you're going to be encouraged. So that is November 11th and 12th in Atlanta, Georgia, hosted by Perimeter Church. It will be the first Reformation Fellowship Conference in the U.S., 
and we will gather around the gospel, our hope, our banner. Everything you need to know, you can find at reffellowship.org. That's R-E-F fellowship.org. We hope to see you there. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful. Uh, let's then take what we've said about what God's like and um, and what what God's glory is like and help us think through then how that how that changes mission um you know maybe we start with the idea of motivation because in in one sense uh the great admission is that i'm not very motivated <laughs> for mission and there's some classic motivations that are appealed to for mission but um how does this change how does who god is what he's like change our motivation for evangelism for mission Hmm. well i think um one of the ways that we can perhaps get motivation wrong is rather than beginning with god's glory um, as our starting point you know if you think of god as like a son who is constantly giving out light god is eternal he's full of life and light and love um, all the time Um, that's enough that's enough to fill us up and send us out but if we're not beginning with that, if we have the Lord wrong, um, perhaps we imagine him to be the opposite. He is empty in our minds sometimes. He is, for example, grasping after glory. He's looking for worship he doesn't have. He's almost, uh, well, he's taky and needy. Mm-hmm. And we, we're only going to replicate that as Christians and as missionaries. And so I think it's not uncommon to find... Um, sometimes Christian leaders using motivations other than the glorious goodness of God for mission. Uh, so the, the two that really spring to mind that we speak about in the book are, are duty and debt. Um, mm. So we feel mission is something I have to do. Don't particularly like it, um, but I have to do it. Um, it's it's uh, something that's expected of me by my pastor, by my church, it's kind of on the contract and so it has to be done um or debt which says you know jesus has done so much for me um i i owe him i, I just have to do this mm-hmm. i think there is a kind of mission that can be done by christians who are driven by duty and debt that i think you do meet missionaries who, mm-hmm. who that that's that's really what drives them and they're not happy missionaries they're not healthy ones Right. Uh, they might be very doctrinally correct. They might be saying all of the right things. Um, and in fact, they might even be you know, very prayerful and putting in all kinds of effort um, that looks very holy and pious in a sense. But if we're not happy, healthy Christians who, who really know and love the Lord and appreciate his love for us and are filled up by his goodness and beauty and glory, if, if, if we're if that's not us, if that's not where we are, mm. uh, what are we really advertising to the world? Um, are we are we really telling them about a God who we personally love and enjoy, or or are we selling them someone that we we don't really love, appreciate, know for ourselves? So that's a huge danger, I think, um, for for many Christians. Yeah, a kind of uh, a kind of hypocrisy, really. Yeah. Yeah, you do see in scripture there is there's the 
mandate the the command to make Christ known. Um, you also see um, Paul saying, "I'm I'm I'm under obligation. I'm you know there's a there's a gospel obligation to the to the lost here. How does um how do we balance um, the idea? Well, Matthew 28, 18 through twenty says, "Go make disciples." So you need to go and make disciples. Or we're under obligation. People are lost, and um, and uh, like Paul, we we I'd trade my life for theirs if I could. Um, how do we balance those typical motivations that have some? There's there's some biblical warrant there, but it, it feels like you're saying those those really should be secondary or. They have we have to put them in the right place somehow if we're going to get it right. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a, a really good way of, of putting it. Um, I, it's worth thinking of the way Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, who were uh, missionaries. He he says, you know, to the Pharisees, he says, you would cross the land and the sea to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves which is mm. that's strong stuff in matthew 23 um they have a mission um they're committed to it um and there's even there's even kind of right doctrine there um they they want to in a sense convert people um but they're kind of building an empire it's a self-centered thing that jesus constantly criticizes them for being after the the glory of people rather than the glory of god mm. and what that really i think what that really means is they have a mission which is thin on god mm. so we we might have a kind of mission that is full of warnings um perhaps about avoiding hell or about the dangers of sin in in your life now we might have a mission that's um, full of promises about the future, um, transform communities, um, healing for all your hurts, even healing for your diseases and sicknesses and so on. Um, and the fact is the gospel is, the gospel includes elements in a sense of many of those things, but the gospel is primarily about coming to know God himself. Mm. The, the blessing of the gospel is knowing God. And if we have a, a thin view of God in our mission and behind our missionary motivation, mm. we end up we end up bringing people to something other than the God of the gospel, um, uh, Jesus, who's a, a, a rescue rescue sort of golden ticket out of hell, or Jesus, who is uh, a vending machine of divine blessings for you to enjoy now. Yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes our presentation of the gospel seems to communicate that that's what the good news is so help us understand how keeping god central um changes maybe even the way we we share the gospel what 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 our our evangelism sounds like looks like i'm always tempted to um to tell us a story one of the uh one of the sides in the book we um, we look at the story of john and charles wesley Mm. Who, um, were students in Oxford University in the, the 1720s, and um, they were very uh, 
devout Christian mm. young men. They spent a lot of time reading scripture with some of their friends. They got mocked for it. Um, they visited prisoners and looked after the poor and so on. And uh, I guess in many ways we might look on that and say, what an absolute powerhouse of, you know, of Christian spirituality and so on. And what, mm. what outstanding young men amongst, you know, the student population of the day. Um, and they went off to become missionaries. They went overseas um, to, to Georgia in the USA. Mm. Um, and before long, actually, they were both back in England, hugely discouraged and uh, spiritually um, completely down and out, um, mm. very discouraged. And each of them would, uh, after a little while back at home, have what they basically said was a conversion experience. They came to know Jesus and his grace in a way that they'd never really appreciated before. So they'd been in a uh, a deeply pious Christian club called the Holy Club. They'd even been overseas missionaries. Mm. And they hadn't, they would, looking back at their own lives, they would say they hadn't really known the Lord truly. Um, Charles had uh, once been asked by one of his friends, how do you hope to be saved? And Charles Wesley had responded, because I used my best endeavours to serve God. So there, just again, you've got, again, an empty God, and I've got to give him something. He needs my service. And if I give him my service, then I, I, I can be saved. That, that's it. That's how I know I can be saved. I've, I've done what he's asked of me. Um, what both the brothers John and Charles Wesley came to find was God is not empty and grasping, but because he's full in love, life, grace, glory, he gives to us. And that completely changes how things work. So for the Wesleys, it was a, a complete transformation in their, their life. Um, they both, um, John, John famously speaks about his heart being strangely warmed as he gets the gospel for the first time. Um, Charles said he finally found peace with God. So they'd been trying to serve God without having peace with God, without having assurance that he, he, mm. he loved them. And mm. actually they, were, they, they felt they were having to give God something in return for salvation. Mm. Now, if we, learn, if we can kind of learn the lesson, um, we have in Jesus a God who shows his glory, reveals himself, the substance, the weight, the reality of who he is in a, a, a son who humbly steps into the world, who not only reaches outwards to tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, beyond to Samaritans, Romans, Canaanites, and goes down into the depths um, even to the cross, to lay down his life for those who hated him. And who even, Jesus even speaks about the cross. This is mind-bending. He even speaks about the cross as his glory. Um, all the way through John's gospel, we're waiting for a moment, an hour, when Jesus is going to be glorified. And it turns out to be the moment he's lifted up on the cross. Mm. The moment that he lays down his life in humble, self-giving love for us. It's amazing mm. that 
the Jesus, who is himself the radiance of the glory of God, is shown to be glorious in dying for us. Mm. That that completely changes things. Um, mm. If that is who our God is, if that is his glory on display, if that's the, the light that shines from him, um, full, full to overflowing, self-giving, not short on love, not short on grace and forgiveness, that really changes the way we go about mm. mission. And mm. in fact, the whole of the Christian life, um, if we see God revealed in Christ, we, we don't run the risk of being uh, Wesley's in mm. the early days who are, are, yeah, looks admirable, but it's, it's driven, it's dangerous, and it's unhappy. Mm. Um, we're, we're happiest when we realise, actually, I'm quite empty, but God mm. is full. And in Christ, he has given me fullness. Think of mm. Colossians 2, you've been given fullness in him. Yeah. That that is what makes us overflow to the world when we know we're, we're being topped up by the one who is eternally full. Yeah. So we we know what people mean when they say give your life to God, give your life to Christ. Um, but there's something out of order there that uh, when we fail to start with, He's given His life for you. He's the one who's done the giving. You're the one who's doing the, the receiving. He's the one that's full and overflowing. You're the one that's empty and, and should be filled and, and he, which he wants to fill. Um, yeah, yeah. How then, um, you've talked about, a, a little bit about, um, how this changes mission today in in mission discourse uh, we hear a lot about um, the balance of proclamation with with um, with social action or um, seeking the shalom of the city is that different from um, reconciling men to God um, so does this kind of Understanding uh, this God-centered focus on mission, how does that help us think about kind of maybe the ongoing debate within mission discourse around the relationship between proclamation and, and ministries of mercy, um, or even the, the juxtaposition of personal salvation versus cosmic renewal? Um, what, what do you think? Yeah, so it's a good and big question, isn't it? Um, and I, yeah, when we speak about these things, I am aware this is a, a debate in sort of in the mission world and missiologists will talk about this forever. Um, and they, these are important questions. I think there's a couple of things that I, I perhaps would want to say. Um, one is that um, it's easy for us as Christians, if if it's true that we very often have our picture of God distorted, and we we miss his fullness and we imagine him to be empty and needy um if that's true for us we might find ourselves just subtly focusing on things in mission which are something other than jesus um 
So perhaps you know, most, most easily for Christians, we might find ourselves focusing on things like heaven as the reward of the gospel or even just grace. And we just stop, just maybe subtly, we stop being so explicit about saying, you know, Jesus is mm. the point of this. It's Jesus we want you to come to know. He's, he's the gift of grace. He is the treasure of heaven. And so we might um, we might go a step beyond that and say we want to offer the world um, the hope of lives transformed, um, renewed communities. Mm. And we maybe even make Jesus the means to get those things, but he's not always necessarily the centre of them in the way we present them. Um, so I think we could say those things maybe blessings of the gospel but we never want to elevate them to become its center and and our, our focus in mission um otherwise they actually in a sense they take the place of god in our mm. sort of offering to the world um i think it's fair to say often when we do those things there's a there's a reaction against um you know perhaps some of those uh gnostic presentations of the gospel that say you know if you want to be a christian um, it's basically about sort of uh, banking into this eternal uh, ticket out of hell. You know, one day the world's going to burn up and you you will get to sort of be spirited away off into spiritual cloud land. I think lots of Christians rightly want to react against that and say there is in the gospel cosmic hope. Um, God is going to come and renew the whole creation. There's hope for for our bodies. Um, there's hope for, um, in in that sense, human culture, civilization. Um, it's not that this whole place is going to um, be done away with and thrown in the bin. Um, the Lord is into redemption, not sort of a replacement. It just may be that sometimes in our correcting that quite gnostic idea um that we we maybe get so concerned with the correction that we miss focusing on god himself mm. and so i think the call i would sort of want to make for people is that we um we don't ever move from making jesus christ the content mm. of our gospel presentations so i'm not offering just grace not offering just heaven i'm also not just offering um a better life now or um come and find peace and purpose and meaning um mm. which are great things we, we but we find them by putting christ at the center of our life and making him lord and savior mm. so we, we really have to make sure that we're centralizing christ yeah yeah it's interesting to think of when when the scriptures are trying to describe to us the um, the age to come, the new heavens and the new earth, um, there's neither the focus on a disembodied spiritual kind of ethereal thing, nor super descriptive, um, super description of all the parts of the renewed uh, culture and civilization, but they all seem to focus on that God is now with man. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, this, this city temple, this garden city temple, 
um, with God at the center shining forth. God shines forth uh, with rivers flowing out of him um, that, uh, that, that, that's healing for the nations. He's at the center. We, we know very little about so much, <laughs> so, so much else, except that God and man will be together. The, the bride and the, the bridegroom will be married. At the end of the book, we we talk about some of those scriptures which tell us that the the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. Mm. Um, that's that's the thing that we're looking forward to, and this mm. isn't a different glory. God doesn't have a separate glory for the end of all things. It's the same glory that we see in Jesus Christ, mm. giving Himself on the cross. The same glory, the fullness and beauty of God that we want to drive our mission today that's the glory that we're going to see um coursing tiding over all things in the end and so we're not um we're not changing course mm. um, there's there's no sense in which the future is in in a sense there's no sense which is a mystery to us of course there's loads we can't imagine um there's uh a, a dynamic since genesis 3 we we, we can't imagine this world um, unfallen without sin and darkness and despair and distortions of good things and yet we know what is to come is um it's the jesus of the gospel his father their spirit filling the earth with that blessing that goodness that beauty um, so you're right god god will shine forth in the end and we who are christians who love the lord now will be saying this Isaiah 25 this is our God we trusted in him here he is yeah yeah amen amen well we are here towards the end of our of our time together Dan I wonder if I could just ask you one more question or or, or ask you to do something as you um, think of uh, campus ministers missionaries, pastors, those who, um, in some sense, it's their, their job to be on mission with God. Um, but maybe today they find themselves uh, burned out, uh, joyless, dry. Um, what, would you, what would you want to say to, to these, these saints? Mm. Um, I think I want to say to them the thing I have to say to myself every morning um, which is today I wake up and think I'm alone in the world and I have to make it work for myself and if I even think about God being there you know sometimes I'm brushing my teeth before I remember I'm a Christian mm. um, if I even think about God being there um, in those first few minutes um, I often imagine that he's sort of just looking over my shoulder, keeping an eye on my behavior and is interested in how I'm going to perform as a Christian today. Mm -hmm. And so every morning I have to tell myself, God is my heavenly father who knows me, loves me, and he holds my life in his hands. And Jesus is the savior. He is my righteousness and I am his sin. 
and the Holy Spirit is always with me, will never leave me, never forsake me. And even though I don't always believe it, that is really who God is. Mm-hmm. And he's proved that by sending his son into the world. He's proved that by the cross. And I have to make sure <laughs> I get that into my head every morning. Mm-hmm. And it, we don't um, we don't ever graduate from having to realize that afresh every day. Um, campus ministers, pastors, theologians, podcast hosts, book writers. <laughs> we so easily think of God as empty and takey. Yeah. Um, but only the cross of Jesus every day mm-hmm. freshly resets me and resets us to say, here's a God who's always giving, always gracious. And however I feel today, whatever's ahead, whatever I have to face, it it really is only going to be fueled mm-hmm. by coming to the cross of Christ again and seeing his love poured out for me in blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Dan, thank you for that encouragement. And thank you for spending some time with us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Thank you. It's been great to be with you again. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. We pray that this time together has been a blessing to you. The Reformation Fellowship is a ministry of union. And so all that we do, we hope it helps you to delight in God, grow in Christ, serve the church, and bless the world. If that is your hope, that is your desire, then friends, welcome to the fellowship.